Welcome to the Daily Creed, where we help you break your limited beliefs that are holding you back from being a personal and professional success. When you master the five character traits of commitment, resilience, excellence, execution, and discipline, you will have the power to dominate your industry and live the life you desire. And now, helping you to grow in every aspect of your life, your host, J.R. Spear. Spear. All right, today we have a very special guest, and his name is Eric Beck. And Eric, he will be diving deep and talking about how making work a game worth playing. This thrilling show will guide you through practical steps to grow your business while igniting loyalty and passion within your team. Discover the key to owning a business that doesn't control your life, but instead empowers you to achieve success on your terms. Eric, thanks so much for being a guest today. Hey, JR. Thanks so much, man. Thanks for having me. No, I'm glad that you're here and that we got connected. So why don't we start out by telling the audience about your journey and kind of how you got started as an entrepreneur? Yeah, for sure. So um, I I hope everybody can relate to this completely backwards, not planned, random, scrapping, uh, nothing went according to to schedule, that kind of thing. You know, I feel like uh, when we look at it from from, you know, hindsight, it's like it all makes sense. But of course, the front side of it is the underside of the rug. (laughs) And it it takes a while to get to the place where you're like, oh, I see. So really, for me, started off in recording in progress. uh, And and when I was uh, in the process of of learning how to teach and all that, uh, just wound up stepping into the business world really on accident. So uh, I would say this got into performance, really, as the, the better starting place in music, went to school for music, toured the country, did a bunch of stuff we could talk about if you want. But the net result was I fell in love with teaching on accident uh, and wound up uh, becoming the director of training at E-Myth Worldwide and learned about the whole world of business coaching and leadership. And then that was 25 years ago. So just like that. (laughs) Cool. So how did you get into music? I mean, where did you go to college for music? You said I did. I went I went to college for music. I, um, uh, you know, high school band, junior high, you know, somebody said, hey, you know, do you want to do art or do you want to do music? And I was like, I don't know, let's do music. And they're like, choose an instrument. (laughs) I was like, well, the trumpet looks cool. So I started playing trumpet a couple of years later, a band director uh played some jazz music i had never heard anything like this music and and it just blew me away it was dizzy gillespie it was the song was a night in tunisia and it was this combination of african and uh you know cuban rhythms and and harmonies and uh it just it just was the thing you know uh so when i was kind of coming out of high school i had to choose between physics i had taken ap physics and was very interested in the sciences um a big fan of richard Feynman and read all of his letters and studies, as well as a whole series of things. And uh, just having seen um, the uh, Oppenheimer movie took took me back to a lot of my earlier studies. But I did decide to go with music, <laughs> much to uh, my family's chagrin. Um, and then, like I said, I, I changed my major from music performance uh, to uh, education and did some work in composition, ran sound, eventually started touring as a musician and uh yeah. So again, not a plan, but but kind of how it worked out. So how does how does uh, your transition work out from going from music to education and wanting to teach to actually leading entrepreneurs? 
Well, that's a great question because to me, it may be not obvious on the outside, but but when I look at it from the inside, to me, it's exactly ordered and, and structured. Um, I got to perform at the Lincoln Center and Holly uh, and the Hollywood Bowl. Uh, my favorite performance, though, was was the New York City performance and Avery Fisher Hall. The the gentleman conducting us, his name was AGOA, and he was at the time uh, the conductor emeritus at the uh, Minneapolis Symphony. Um, he came in to conduct with us, and I knew he was very famous. I didn't really know his background. Uh, just before we went on to perform that night, I saw him kiss his cufflinks, and we were all intimidated. I think I was 19 or 20 years old, and you know, you don't even want to speak to someone like that. You just are so lucky to be there with them. And uh, yeah. so I, but I did. Uh, a friend of mine, Frank, was like, "Hey, Eric, you know, ask him, ask him. You know, you ask him." I'm like, "Okay." So I did. And he said, well, they were given to me by Leonard Bernstein. And I was like, oh, my gosh, wow. You know, he said that, but they were given to Leonard Bernstein uh, by Arturo Toscanini. Uh, and I was just like, I can't believe I'm hearing these words. And he said, but they were given to Toscanini by Leopold Stokowski. Now, for those of you who are not a music nerd like I am, none of those names may mean anything to you. But I'll tell you, you do know who Leopold Stokowski uh, is. And here's how you know, because if you watch Bugs Bunnies, uh, the cartoons in the 1970s, yeah. the 80s, you remember when Bugs Bunny is making that tenor sing so long that the Hollywood Bowl falls down, right? He's, his hand is in yeah. the air, oh, like this whole thing, right? When he walks yeah. in, everyone's going, Leopold, Leopold, Leopold. That's Leopold Stokowski. <laughs> That's the, the epitome That's of, so cool. of the musical world. I went to work at Emith. And they said, hey, can you help us with our coaching curriculum? Can you help us train coaches? Can you lead these leadership retreats? Which I did eventually. I didn't do it at the beginning. I saw the same thing. I was like, I don't know anything about music. I'm sorry about business, but I know exactly what I'm seeing here. Because everything I learned in music, it's exactly this. This business is an orchestra. The, the customer mm -hmm. service moment is the concert, right? And I just saw these parallels and just dove headlong into it uh, and and, you know, I still play trumpet occasionally. Um, I yeah. sound I kid around. I say I sound good for about three minutes <laughs> and then my face gives <laughs> out. Um, but it's the same thing. It, it is that whether it's martial arts or the military, some other things in my background, being a parent, uh, it's the same exact thing. When we try to get people together around a vision, think of that music. And we say that we got to get everybody on the same page singing, you know, from the same from, from the same song. It's like really it is true. Because when you are playing music that you truly love and you're passionate about, you play better than you ever could on your own. And that's what's missing is that people are not on the same sheet of music. In fact, there is no music. It's just make money. You know, there's nothing that calls to the deeper sense often. I want to say never, but often we've lost that. And restoring that seems a little woo-woo maybe in navel gazing. But the reality is that an on-fire human being, in a, even in a but three people can do something absolutely spectacular. And they do just like McDonald's did. That was, you know, the model at Emith was the franchise model, you know, based off of McDonald's. And um, it's like, yeah, it's a little hamburger shop in the middle of nowhere. Well, well, now it's not in the middle of nowhere. Now it's everywhere. And again, it came from that same thinking of, of, of seeing things as an integrated whole instead of the uh, just the broken apart pieces. Yeah, so there's a few things that I want to untangle here. Uh, one, you're speaking my language. If you said your background's martial arts and then you have a military background, because I've done martial arts since I was 
you know, took my first breath and grew up in that family. And then I'm a combat veteran myself uh, as well. So I want to go into that. But for all the listeners out there, you know, you, you keep mentioning E-Myth and you work for them. And why don't you why don't you break that down? Like, what is E-Myth and the organization for those that's never even heard of it? You got it. You got it. So same as everybody else, uh, maybe I did. I had no idea about the E-Myth. Um, I literally got my job from the newspaper. <laughs> I had finished teaching a ninth grade and was looking for a job in Northern California, found this company, Emith. Well, uh, what became uh, obvious to me eventually was that this guy, Michael Gerber, was a really famous speaker and author called the Emith, uh, which stands for the Entrepreneurial Myth. And it was a total flop and no one really read it. But somebody at HarperCollins or somebody found it and said, OK, wait a minute. This is genius, but we got to rewrite it. So there was the Emith Revisited. That's the one that I found out about, that little blue book from a years ago. And what that is, is the story of Sarah, who is a pie baker, house's bakery, and decides, heck, I can do it way better than this, so I'm going to. And it is a story of her realizing that she gave up one job and got 12 jobs, that she left the structure of being on someone else's boat, and she needed to now captain her own boat. And it is a conversation between her and Michael about what effectively is the e-myth methodology of there's a myth that entrepreneurs start businesses. They don't. Entrepreneurs buy and sell businesses. Um, a, A technician that has an entrepreneurial seizure launches Again, this is aimed at, let's say, 50 employees are under, 500 employees are under, somewhere in there. Um, It's a small business. Somebody's got that fire. Uh, they got that passion and here they go. And they don't know much about running the business. They just know about the technical part. So uh, E-Myth then around that book and Michael's other efforts uh, became one of the first, if not the first, small business coaching companies out there back in the day when we were faxing people their modules and it was all on a conference bridge. And if that sounds hilarious to you guys, that's just a sign of the times. <laughs> there was no Zoom or go to meeting or any of that stuff, WebEx, right? It was all old school, but it was about systemization and it was about bringing order to the musicians, getting the parts written out on each uh, for in- each interest- instrument to do, you know, what they're supposed to do at the right time to create, you know, a pretty extraordinary result. Yeah, that definitely uh, had kicked off your success as an entrepreneur working with E-Myth because, you know, from some of your stats, you know, I have here saying that you have helped more than 960 businesses generate over $240 million in additional revenue. Why don't you explain a little bit about that? Yes. Well, I'm happy to report it's now a thousand. We crossed the thousand mark a few months ago. <laughs> so that's that's nice. good. Uh, thank you. I mean, ultimately, it's this. A lot of potential. And and I'm not just talking about going in and looking at the P&L and saying, okay, spending too much money here. Let's trim this back. Let's outsource this. That is a type of consulting work, but I don't really like it or want to do it. What I want to do is I want to get the owner in alignment with their highest calling and purpose so that the business is a vehicle for that purpose. Let me make it even clearer. If you hire someone who is really competent and they're a good person, but they're not going where you're going you're going to automatically have a disconnect. It's like being on the train from Atlanta to Nashville, but where you really want to go is Memphis. At some point on that journey, people are going to start jumping off the train. Now, imagine that you hire people and you never take the time to figure out where are they going. You never ask even some basic questions that 
assignments. See, the calling piece is the most important piece. Now, I know that can, again, sound kind of maybe wishy-washy and like, do you mean like destiny? Do you mean like, what are you talking about? And it's like, no, 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 we can make it much simpler than that. You see, if the business is not a vehicle for the daily of you and your team, you still don't really have an aligned business. You might have a good idea. You might have a good market. You might be making a lot of money. But what you don't have is alignment. And I think about it from, you were talking about martial arts a second ago. Uh, I've broken everything and gone through all this stuff. And, you know, one of my favorite things to do in tournaments is foot sweeps. I love throws. It's always been a favorite thing for me. Uh, when somebody gets you in true right way, it is humbling, right? Gravity is, is no respecter of people. And so when you hit the mat like that, you're like, holy moly. It resets you. Now, for me, I've never been injured, knock on wood. I've never been injured in a fall. I've had my orbital broken and ribs broken and all that sort of stuff. But the fall always feels, I know I'm weird. It feels like a reset, like boom, yeah. everything's lined up now. That's what needs to happen in the business and for the entrepreneur. It's like, hey, maybe you got in here for the money or you got in here for the opportunity. But in your kind of in your gut, you're like, I kind of hate this. This is not me. How about the employees that feel that way? So for me, one of the most important things to do is to bring the alignment into place, because when that's there, everything starts operating together. I, you know, for, for the martial arts side of it, as you would know, you know, that's where your power comes from. You can have huge muscles and all kinds of force. But if the force is not focused, if there's not a force multiplier, again, you're missing out on so much that could happen. And we chase click funnels and this thing and this gimmick and this thing and that, you know, it's like, yeah, they can be great. They can work. But again, if what we're doing is getting great at marketing and we're not getting great at delivering the value, which unfortunately I see more and more of today, no wonder people have imposter syndrome. That's what it means. Yeah. You're good at talking about it but you can't back it up. What do they say? It's all hat and no horse. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. Well, we're, we're getting ready to go on our first break. We definitely uh, started the show off very well, but when we come back, I want to focus on how you're helping your clients get the alignment and purpose and making sure that they're going uh, in the right direction. And I like how you, you talk about being thrown on the back because the, the immediate you know image that I had in my head was how many throws I've been, I've had to do myself <laughs> or how many times I've been thrown to the mat. And yeah. you, if you know, if you're being thrown to the mat, well, you always want to break the fall with the, you know, with your, your arm and, you know, with the roll and everything else that you do. And it's just that immediate, like the first time unexpected when you don't know how to yeah. actually break the fall, it hurts. <laughs> But when yeah. you start learning how to break, when you start learning how to break the fall, it becomes more relaxed. It becomes a lot easier. It becomes more expected. And then, and I, I meant I wanted to say that because it's a really good uh, example for what you're saying, where it's like you got that reset. But it's also a wake up call that the more that you do it, the easier things starting to become. Because you know, think of like a child. A child doesn't know the difference. You know, climbing up to the counter and jumping off until they jump off and get hurt. They're like, I don't want to do that again. And yeah. so a lot of times we don't know what we don't know. So when you do that fall, it hurts that first time. But once you start to learn the processes, once you start learning how to break that fall, once you start learning how to actually overcome the gravity and make it a little bit easier and less painful so that we can move to something else, then you become more aligned and it becomes a lot easier in business or anything else. So really, really a great example. But I just remember that that feeling like right when you said that, my back just went boom. And I was like, oh, <laughs> exactly. Yes. So, yeah. so, because because I've been thrown on the mat a thousand times and right. I was like, 
okay, you know, do I remember how to do this? Because it's been years since I've done that. <laughs> right. So, really, uh, really, really cool examples. So we're going to go to this break. When we come back, I would like to hit a little bit more on how you help your clients get aligned and find that purpose so that way they can start that reset process. And now a word from our sponsors. Navigating the business world can be daunting. Welcome to the Business Leaders Network, a community of like-minded entrepreneurs ready to share invaluable experience. As a BLN member, enjoy dynamic networking opportunities with high-level entrepreneurs, learn cutting-edge strategies from industry experts, and gain a platform to showcase your business. Get started today for only $37, which is less than your daily cup of coffee. Join a community that can transform your business. Visit www.blncommunity.com to get started. Your success is our mission at BLN. Let's navigate the business world together. And now back to the show. All right, we're going to go back to our show. And we are here with Eric Beck today. And we have, if you missed the first part of our show, we learned a little bit about his background, about how he got started in music and how he got started working with the E-Myth and you know the, how that really took off his entrepreneur and education, but also how they've been able to help more than a thousand businesses generate over $240 million in additional revenue and so many things that we're unpacking. But one thing that we definitely ended the first part of the show was, was, you know, starting out and really figuring out how you, how you need to be aligned with your clients, your product, your business and everything that it goes. And I'm going to have Eric take over the mic and start breaking down how he helps his clients become more aligned. Yeah. Well, again, I just want everybody to think about it. If you've ever had back pain, I had catastrophic yeah, sciatica now, for a while. Oh, <laughs> oh man. Right. Um, so here's the thing. Is it that your back isn't strong? Probably not. Is it that your hamstring muscles are not capable? Probably not. Right. What's happening is an alignment problem. You know, you could take a, a big old athlete or a warrior, you know, and you say, wow, they're so strong. Yeah. Put, put their finger. Uh, in a bowling ball uh, that's just a little bit too tight and spin that ball around, pop pop that finger out of joint. And all of a sudden, all of the, that muscle, that strength, that power goes away because you lose leverage. And I think that what we've done in the quote knowledge economy is we've gone after more and more power. And it's like, it's great. We do need to be able to run our five minute miles and do our pushups and do our stuff. We, that's true. We need the power and the capability. But what we also need is leverage. And leverage is about what everybody knows, you know, give me a lever long enough and a fulcrum and I could move the whole world. I, sometimes running a business feels like that, right? Like, Oh, you know, this is so hard. I don't have enough money, so I can't market. And because I can't market, I don't get clients. And because they don't get clients, I don't have the money. It's this endless cycle. I just want to say to folks, whenever you feel like you're in a loop like that, first of all, having done this for 25 years, you are not alone. You're not alone. We all get there. The, the question is, do we get off of the hot seat before the surgery is over? I love the idea that things are not happening to you. Things are happening for you. And I know, again, it can sound like a little pie in the sky to be like, oh, yeah, take the lemons and turn it to lemonade. But I want to tell you what, when it comes down to the moment, you know, we can be driven by a fear, uh, you know, heads up display that is all about threats and all about problems. Or we can be driven by, hey, I recognize the threats and the problems, but I'm driven by my passion and I'm driven by my vision. So when a business owner comes to us at Founders Fire and says, hey, I've heard you talk about this or your TEDx talk, or this thing or that thing or an awesome podcast like what you are, 
I want to get my business in alignment. Where do you, what does that actually mean? And what are you talking about? What it means is that we need to have a governing story and ethos for your business. This is not about sales. Okay. So this is totally internal. You need to go on the journey with your ideal client through the ideal experience sometime in the next 18 months. Everybody's like, oh, well, it's like a customer service roadmap. It is, but it needs to be epic. And I'll tell you why. Stories move the world. Every person who's ever done anything great had a story going on in their head. You can think about Moses or Gandhi or Martin Luther King Jr. or fill in the blank with some epic personality from the past who did something. They always talk about they had a sense of what they were going towards, what they saw, what was drawn out of them. Think about Jesus going to the cross. Right. And, and it says that he was it was that for the, the glory set before him, he suffered the shame of the cross. Whatever story you need to connect to, realize stories are what move behavior. And when someone starts telling a more negative story, you know, I can't, I probably won't, I shouldn't, people like me, never, all that kind of limiting beliefs. That's this I, this thing that has crept in, which is that we, we don't, um, I think the word would be, we don't cultivate, you know, we don't caretake the story. And so we just kind of get the story of survival of like, wake up, do work, go to bed, wake up, do work, go to bed. So the first thing that we've got to do with a small business owner or entrepreneur or large business owner, for that matter, I've worked with a few of those, um, is to say, I want you to tell me exactly how you want to make your customer feel, feel at every single step along the way. Now, I was sharing this at a conference once and somebody came up to me and they said, hey, do you know that Lowe's? you know, like the home improvement store, they teach this. And I was like, I didn't know that. Tell me about it. And they were like, yeah, they say, look, you're not just selling the two by four to Mrs. Jones. You're selling her part of the deck that she will many years from now celebrate her 80th birthday on. And I was like, that is it. You see, you've taken something that's fairly mundane and maybe even a little transactional and you've brought meaning to it. And while people are like, yeah, but it's still just fake and you're still just thinking it up. I want to say two things to the naysayers. First of all, cut it out because you're bringing the rest of us down. So just keep it to yourself. The second thing I want to say is be honest with yourself. You probably had a fire in your heart at some place where you were passionate about something. But because of circumstances or whatever, it didn't go the way you thought. Don't give up on the idea of the the passionate pursuit of a game worth playing because they're still out there and the world needs them now more than ever. And so when we create this Mrs. Jones story, how did she hear about you? What happened next? What happened next? In an ideal situation, not necessarily today, not 50 years from now, but let's say sometime in the next 18 months, it would be doable to create it like this. I want to draw that fire out of your heart and create that story. And I want to get it into a Robert Frost short story little format. It might take eight minutes to read. It's not a mission statement. Nobody cares about those. It's a compelling story. I mean, if you think about that, even during COVID, even during all the hard times, you could look at the last 20 years, anything that was connected to a powerful story thrived. Tell me how much money the Marvel Comics movies have made. Why? Because we, A, are motivated by this sense of team. It's not like when I was growing up, maybe when you're growing up, Jared, where it's like the solo guy, the world Superman. Now Superman's on a team in a way that was not true in the movies in the 80s. Okay, uh, Indiana Jones, right? It was, it was all about Indy. 
and his and how awesome he was. And it was awesome. But in this modern era, we want to be a part of a collaboration. Need to because our problems are so big that there there's not going to be the one brilliant person who solves it all. And when we we give people a game worth playing, we're saying, let me tell you the story. And then I want to ask you: this is a hiring technique that I'm giving everybody right now. How do you see yourself? meaningfully contributing to this story. Where in this story can you be the hero? That's calling. And that is what we have to all align to. Because if they're smart and they're hardworking and they're a good person, but they are not aligned to the story and you have not created that game worth playing, they'll go play someone else's game. They will. Maybe they'll give you two weeks notice. Probably they won't. <laughs> Maybe they'll let you know it's not working out. But let's be honest, probably they won't. And we we kind of criticize the younger generation and say, oh, these millennials and you can't find good people. And I just want to say hogwash. Stop making excuses. You need to put your heart on the your passion. That is what leadership is. It's not knowing everything. It's saying I know where I'm going and I will go there. Would you like to help me? Can you come with me for some part of your journey and we can go there together? Yes, in the context of a dry cleaners or a little mom and pop restaurant or a doggy daycare. And uh, and it seems like that would never work. I'm going to tell you, it works so good. You can't believe it. They don't have people problems because you solve the fundamental issue, which is vision. And again, it sounds so cliche, but as you would know from your time in the military, if I don't know what the mission is, if I don't know my role on this team, if I don't know what I'm supposed to do, overlapping fields of fire, what's gonna happen when it's on? What's gonna happen is people are gonna die and, it's, and we're not gonna be able to accomplish our mission objectives. It is literally the same thing. You know, that's why we use military terms in business. What do you think, where do you think company comes from or officers? Right. Those are military terms, because in a certain sense, especially for what I would think of as a righteous business, we're trying to set people free. We're trying to bring something to their life that truly helps them. We're not just going to buy it for a dollar and sell it for two and say, yeah, I'm in business. What a good you know, follower of Adam Smith I am. We're saying this is something that changes people's lives. And if you want to be a part of it, we would love to have you. That all of a sudden creates the alignment that we're talking about. And if we haven't done it, I just want to say to people, what do you, ex- do you expect to have happen if you're not all in like that? Now, most business owners are, but they don't quite have the tool set to bring it to bear. But that's why I have a job. <laughs> yeah, a lot, a lot of really good things that you, you just unpacked right there. And, you know, the, the crazy thing that people don't really understand is like, man, I don't really have a story. And the reality is we all have a story. We just need to figure out how can we relate our story to the practical thing that we're actually wanting to teach. And for me, I I mean, I'm a really great example. You know, I was, you know, my story, I was blown up by a suicide bomber at a walking checkpoint in Iraq. It took me probably more than 10 years to really figure out how I can relate that to entrepreneurs to be able to get them to emotionally involved so I can turn into concepts to be able to teach them. No different what you're saying, like with officers or, you know, context of systems and processes and training and uh, and everything that leads to it. Because, you know, I I don't know if you spent time in in combat, but, you know, we're when you're when you're over in combat, Iraq or whatever it may be, it's like being on a sports team. You're training, training, training. And then, you know, for what? To go sit on the sidelines? No, you're training to go out there and fight, to go out there and play. So that way, when it's time, when the time comes for you to actually perform or to execute the things that you've been training to do, you got to be able to react without responding. And that's just come constant repetition to be able to do it. But the reason why I bring that up is not just to to tell about 
my story and what I, what I do. But the point is that it took me years, like probably five to 10 years to really figure out how, like, I, I struggled with this greatly. I struggled with the fact is like, okay, how can I take this experience that I went through and turn it into an actual concept to help entrepreneurs? Yes. But, but we all got that story. We all have something that we could take. And now once I learned the power of storytelling, I could take anything. It's like, hey, you know what? A uh, good example. I went to the, I was at the, I used to be a really avid triathlete and did triathlons for like seven or eight years. And I was doing like up to like four or five a year, did a half Ironman in 2015. And, you know, talking about the power of a coach, I haven't been to like really actively swimming since 2015 after I did the half Ironman. And I, I started getting in the pool again the past a month or so. And then last week I was in the pool and, you know, there was a guy, a, a young guy there and he he was watching me and watching my strokes. It's not like I was doing bad, but he just, he just offered a little tip. He's like, Hey, can I give you some little pointer? Well, he mm-hmm. gave me a one little tip tip that saved me like so much energy just on my breast on how I do it. Just by putting your ear to your shoulder. I never had anyone teach me how to swim. I just awesome. knew I do it. Yeah. Point that I'm making is taking that one little experience really showed me about the power of a coach. Yeah. I've done more than a couple dozen triathlons. I swam a half Ironman's 1.2 mile swim in the river while I'm doing this race. But one little thing that I didn't even realize that I was doing wrong and having another person see the, the, the whole of what I needed to improve to make me better was like yes. game changer for me. And it Bullseye. just showed me, it was eye awakening to me. It was like, man, we all need a coach. See what I just did? I took this one experience of me just swimming, someone give me a tip and turning it into a concept of why people need help, why people yeah. need to hire you as a coach to be able to do it. Well, I, you so, know, it's just le- it's just leverage, man. JR, it's leverage. Just like you said, it's like, hey, I am putting in the energy, but that one little technique or that one little ability that it lines everything up. And now all of a sudden you're blazing across that water and it's like, oh, okay. And no, and you can't do yeah. it for yourself. Nobody, no doctor operates on their own family. Same reason. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Well, hey, we're going to be going to our second break right now. But when we come back, I want to hit on actually what the topic is about for today and making work a game worth playing. So if you can start thinking about what that what that sounds like and then how we can lead that in. Let's uh, let's start the next part, half of our show with that title. All right. We'll see you guys back here shortly. And now a word from our sponsors. Stuck in growth and need more time to serve your clients? Let J.R. Spear and his Creed Consulting team help. We offer a full done-for-you service, strategizing and building your program to scale fast. From video shoots to web design and automation, we've got you covered. Our expertise gives you more time to deliver the quality your clients deserve. Ready to build faster and serve better? Call us today at 314-221-9216 and let's kickstart your coaching program and build the quality quality of product your clients deserve. And now back to the show. Today, we have an amazing guest named Eric Beck. And before we get back into our show, I just want to invite you guys, if you have not been part of our Business Leaders Network community, we have weekly mastermind training calls where we talk about leadership, sales, marketing, systems, processes, and finances. So many great things for you to be able to, to get the tools and resources that you need that's going to help you guys grow. We also have weekly mass, uh, networking calls where you can go in breakout rooms and learn and connect and grow your network. Everything that you need to help you grow your influence and your impact. Come as my VIP guest by going to blncommunity.com. That's BLN Community for Business Leaders Network. So blncommunity.com. Click on Get Started and come join us on one of our weekly calls. Love to see you guys there. If you have not grabbed a copy of my book, The Success Guide to Building Your Coaching Empire, go to jrspear.com. 
jrspear.com. That's jrspear.com. Love for you to grab a copy. All right. We were talking to Eric Beck about so many amazing things, but to kind of recap, you know, he started working at E-Myth after a, uh, an amazing musical career, spent some time in the military, spent some time in martial arts, a lot of awesome things, have helped more than a thousand entrepreneurs generate over $250 million in additional revenue. And we talked about how to a lot get aligned with your business through storytelling. And now we're going to lead in with making work a game worth playing. So Eric, Let's uh, let's let's hit the road and start uh, start sharing how we can make the work a game worth playing. Yeah, man, you you bet. I I, I st- I'm still struck by the fact that I think we're brothers from from other mothers, but uh, <laughs> I, it's like our paths are so similar. I, I I'm just I love how how things line up like this. Well, I'm a musician too. If you didn't know that, I mean, I play guitar and and sing and see, played yeah, worship I, I, at church for a long time. Exactly, so. <laughs> exactly. Like I think we have been on a very similar journey here. So I'm just so glad that these things connect. And I just want to encourage way. Um, you know, you're not the one in control of everything. You know, it doesn't mean we don't have responsibility. Of course we do. But there's a larger story that we're all. And just even being open to the possibility of that takes so much of the pressure off of our shoulders so that we can apply our energies appropriately. You know, we only have 24 hours in a day. Uh, and when you read about somebody like Einstein or somebody like, you know, uh, Isaac Newton or somebody, you're just like, how did they do that? And again, just a, a nerdy little fact here about Isaac Newton. You know, he actually wrote out calculus in a little bit called, a, which is, you know, appropriately called a game worth playing, reinventing our relationship to work. Um, I was researching the to-do list and I found an, a journal entry from Benjamin Franklin's journal in Smithsonian. And what I've been teaching my clients for the last, at this point, it was about 17 years. Oh my gosh. I can't believe that he structured his day just like this. We won't get into it today, but I'll tell you what, it's those kinds of things where it's like, okay, it's not about more effort. You know, it's not about more pressure. Uh, there has to be enough, but you got to bring it. So we're not talking about somebody going halfway, but a lot of the times we get into the slaving, you know, it's just that there's yeah. a slavish uh, spirit really that is especially in America um, where it's like, you got to, a side hustle and this, and you got to hack that and you got to do this. And it's all these like um, tips and tricks that really come from this uh, kind of a lie. I'll just be honest with you that technology has given us. I love technology. I do. We have software at Founders Fire that helps our clients implement what we're talking about. So like, I'm totally down for technology, but a lot of times technology gives us this offer. If you'll use me, I'll give you free time. And that's just a fundamental misunderstanding of human nature. See, there is no free time. We have to pre-spend our time. And when we have free time, what we have is conflict and confusion and disarray. And because so many people aren't following a plan in their life, in their relationships, in their business, there's always confusion happening. And that's what is this whole stress, this slaving mentality. A game worth playing is totally different. Now, a game worth playing is there's no coercion. Now, I don't know. I grew up in Tennessee, so we played backyard football. Um, I had a pretty meager upbringing, so it wasn't a lot of, you know, awesome this and that. But I'll tell you what there was. There was this big church that was behind my house, and they had a huge amount of land. Now, to me, it was huge. It's probably about a couple of acres. But to me, as an eight-year-old, it was huge. And we would go over there and play, uh, pick up football, right? Well, I loved it. What I didn't like was when it wasn't clear who was going to be on what team. 
And what I didn't like was when it wasn't clear who was going to be the quarterback for the next play or where the end zone actually was. Let me just ask you this. If you imagine that you're playing a game and you love it at the beginning, but there's no boundaries, there's no end zone, there's no rules, there's no score, pretty soon it's like that's a kid's game. And it was fun for a while, but now let's say I'm 14 and I want to play real football. It's not that. What is, quote, real football? Well, all of a sudden, you got lines on the field. You probably got some coaches. You got a helmet on. Now we've got clear objectives. And I just want to say, if you're not into sports, and you're like, yes, yeah, doesn't really apply to me. Okay, think about music. Okay, think about uh, chess. Think about any kind. Think about solitaire, some game you play on your phone, Candy Crush. Any game worth playing has the same set of characteristics. Now, if some of you guys listen to uh, – uh, Andrew Huberman on the Huberman podcast, he talks about this quote where he's 400 repetitions. But if you do it in the context of a game, the same thing can be learned in 20 repetitions or less. So uh, acquisition, you were talking about going from lower performing to higher performing. Well, sure, you can do it the 400 time way. But again, that's just more of that slaving model. But to do it with strategic leverage, you put it in the context of a game, something comes out of people. And not just the competitive side. We know about that. But the collaborative side. Harvard has studies in the business school there that go into, you know, the the, the best com, uh, competitive models never perform as well as the worst collaborative models. Well, it makes perfect sense. You're going to, you know, it's like it's a football team. Great. So there's a bunch of guys over there and just me over here. It doesn't matter who I am. <laughs> you could fill in the, the name of the most awesome running back in the history, but it's 12 on one, right? So yeah. the whole idea of that team. Now, what if you took that idea and you said, now there are 12 parts to a business and there are marketing, sales, finance, leadership, like some of those you mentioned. We use the analogy of a flagship. But all these parts of the ship are the 12 different areas. What if you had that team, all 12 areas working together and the people in those areas? Now, all of a sudden, we have a boat that is at top speed. This boat's not going to crash. This boat's going to get to safe harbor. The difference, though, is, like we said before, are we rowing in the same direction? Are we creating a game worth playing? And here's the thing that undermines all this good effort is how we pay people. We, we want people to act like owners but we pay them like slaves. We pay them for their time. And yes, I know it's nothing like real slavery. And I want to make that clear. I don't mean to make the analogy too strong, but I will tell you this. If you spend 40 or 50 or 60 years of your life trading five days of one thing for two days of another, and you're still in debt and you don't have any financial security and you don't have the means to protect and take care of yourself at the end of the day, it is kind of not exactly, but kind of a type of slaving. And we hate it. We call it working for the man. Back in my day, right, um, I'm taking what they're giving because I'm working for a living. You could take this job and shove it, right? We know this idea of trading time for money is bankrupt. So when we create a game worth playing and we, we get the story and we get the alignment, but then we ruin it because at the end of the week, but they're in the same job and they both make 20 bucks an hour. What happens on Friday? They both get paid 20 bucks an hour. So we we harmed our good employee and we promoted an average employee, not even meaning to, because it's an unexamined system. And that's ultimately what we've got to look at. We've got to look at how is it that I can make every job, not just sales, every job relate to if this person goes above and beyond, 
They see it on this paycheck, not I hope I get a raise next year and not I hope there's the Christmas bonus or whatever. All of that is just misaligned incentives trying to cover up the basic problem, which is not everybody uses their time as effectively to create value as everybody else. But we just never thought of that. We're just like, well, you can pay a salesperson commission, but everybody else used to pay a flat rate, a salary or an hourly. It's like making it a game worth playing. The key piece to all these is that it has to affect compensation in real time. And if it does, then people are like, hey, I just scored a touchdown. As soon as you do, what do you do? You look up at the scoreboard. And if you see that six roll over, you're like, heck yeah. Right. You're like, it's, it's official. It happened. How disheartening to say to an employee, I want you to think like an owner, put in the extra effort. And what happens is you get paid the same. Pretty soon that person's either going to leave or they're going to do what we call regression to the mean, going to float down to the Steve Slacker level and just do the minimums, just enough not to get fired. And then you're like, what the heck? What's going on? That's what we got to do. We got to overturn that system. And that's what I mean when I say a game worth playing. No, that's so many really great things uh, that that you you hit on, and you know it, it's funny because I'm I'm everything that you're talking about. I've had multiple conversations just in this past week alone, and you're talking about everyone rowing in the same direction and being able to be on the same page and working on, with the goals of what you can do. But then even the in, incentive for paying people you know faster versus later on. You know, mm-hmm. uh, even when it comes to like making me, re- me reflect, like we give bonuses and incentives on a monthly basis, but it's like, okay, what if I make that change? And instead of on monthly, we do it on a weekly basis. If they reach this mm-hmm. goal, then we're going to pay them this bonus on a week. Mm-hmm. Will that motivate them a little bit more and encourage them to want to continue to do them better? And should they be rewarded for the, those different things? So uh, yeah. I like that. I mean, it, it goes back to, it goes back to childhood. It's like when, we, when we think about but when, but it, but I'm, I'm thinking I have four kids now, so I have a seven year old, a five year old, a, a, a almost three year old little girl, and then I have a uh, six week year old boy. Oh, and congratulations! So I'm I'm definitely tired. If you can't see the bags on my eyes right now, <laughs> but but I'm thinking I'm thinking very clearly about my five year old boy. His name's Rowan, and love him to death. But you know I can't get him to move for anything. But if I say hey. I'll give you a lollipop if you take care of me. You do this now. But my, but recently, my wife did something very genius. Mm-hmm. She she created a point system for them, mm-hmm. and they had to earn because we don't do screen time, you know, that much and yep. all these yep. other things. But the reward system is like, hey, they have to do because we're trying to teach them kindness. Yeah. So it's like, hey, if you do so, if you go above and beyond and do something kind without us having to yep. tell you, well, yeah. then then you get a point. And so each yeah. point can, constitutes a, so much screen time that they get. They have to reach so many different points. And I'll tell you, yeah. this has ultim- ultimately changed our entire household because now, now that's it, but, man. But, but now they're, but I started seeing this going on. My wife did this all on herself. So I can't take any credit on her. <laughs> they, they can't, they can't come to me. He's like, Hey daddy, did I do something kind? Do I do, do I earn a point? I was like, uh-huh. well, you should be doing something regardless. Cause I didn't know in the beginning yeah. what yeah. she did. And then she had to explain to yeah. I was like, Oh, that's yeah. kind of genius. Cause yeah. now the, fight isn't no longer saying you need to go up and go do this now the fight is well jameson did this first and i was going to do that kind thing and then yeah. this person kid was going to want to do it yeah. so they're they're mad because one person wanted to go and yeah. set the table for dish for dinner versus yeah. the other person that was getting ready to go do it but they just didn't get to it fast enough so now it becomes yeah. this race this competition yeah. Yeah. this yeah. game yeah. between all of them and that's right so but I, I i didn't think about it from a business standpoint, like what you just said, but the mm-hmm. whole concept 
plays so true to get people to react and get them to move. Now, here's the challenging part, and then we, we do need to go to our last break, and maybe we can hit on when we come back. Okay. But the challenging part that I think is what is going to be that motivating factor? Because what I'm finding is sometimes exactly. money – yeah. Money. Sometimes yeah. money isn't a motivating factor to get everyone to move. And Correct. when I, Correct. for me, like I want to reward people the way I want to be rewarded. So sure. it goes sure. back to, I mean, it goes back to love languages. Like, yes. Okay. Yeah. What is it your does. love language? How, how do you respond? Yeah. And so I want to give money, but I'm like, why are they not moving? So maybe yeah. you can give it's, us that secret, maybe you can give us that secret code when we come back. I have got it. it and you bet. That's a brilliant question, buddy. All right, cool. Well, uh, let's uh, let's hit on that when we come back, and we'll we'll be back here shortly for the last part of our episode. And now, a word from our sponsors. Ready to elevate your coaching business and make a profound impact? Discover your roadmap in J.R. Spears' book, The Success Guide to Building Your Coaching Empire. Immerse in wisdom earned through years of successful coaching, presenting a strategic battle plan to navigate challenges and seize opportunities. Don't just survive, but thrive in your industry. Get your copy at www.jrspear.com today. Let this guide be your companion in your journey to a powerful coaching empire. Transform your business and make a bigger impact now. And now back to the show. Hey, welcome back, everyone. My name is JR, and I'm your host on the Business Leaders Network, and we are on the Inspired Choices Network. And we're just going to get right into it. So we got about four minutes left for the rest of our show. And I just wanted uh, Mr. Eric Beck to hit on the incentives that we need to give our employees to be able to get them to move. Because we talk about turning our work into a game, but you know, not every incentive is the same, and not everyone's going to react and respond the yep. same. So how do we overcome this? Perfect. Let's stay with the we'll stay with football. How many people on the team score a touchdown? One. But what does everybody else do? They do their thing. So my glory as a lineman is putting this dude on his butt. That's my win. And I do that so that the other guy can score the touchdown. But if you think about it, everyone on the team is succeeding in a way that's collaborative. And yes, yeah, some people want to be the person in the end zone. Some people want to kick the field goal. That would be the worst for me. I, w- I would rather do any role on the football team except the kicker, right? It's like, oh my gosh, right? It's like, but th- but somebody loves that. Okay, so think about it like this. First of all, unless you're running a 501c3 charity, people are there because you're paying them. So let's not be frilly about this. They want the money. Nothing wrong with that. They should get the money. So we want to start with that. All bonuses, all performance-based pay structures have to start with money. This week, this paycheck, did you do? And what kind of money does that equal? Now, if you increase your education and your skill set, you go level two. What's level two mean? There's some other above and beyonds you could do. And every month we do a competition. At, in the month, the month has ended and we go, who's done the most above and beyonds? And there's a million ways to do this. I'm going to give you the simple version. It's like, great. Joe got 10. Allison got 30 and Amanda got 32. Great. Does Amanda's 32 turn into money? Give them a choice. Absolutely. It can be money, but it could also be what? Pay time off. It could be this thing. It could be another thing. There are so many layers to make the game work. Like with your kids, I have six kids, so I know exactly what you're talking about. Oh, wow. In fact, <laughs> our software uh, that we use with our clients, we, we first used with our kids. 
I, I created awesome. <laughs> it years ago, hired some developers. And as I was testing it, I was having my kids do it uh, for chores and the same thing you were talking about. So we, again, we're just cut from the same cloth here. But you'll notice that after a while, the basic motivator isn't so motivational. We want to go from external motivation to internal motivation, but we still have to recognize the effort. You can't say, well, I've got a senior manager love it and they're just the vision and everything is great. They're loyal. I don't need to pay them more money. They don't want more money. Hey, be careful. Be careful, right? We want to structure it so money is always the uh, in the mix, but we're looking at a whole other level of things of, of responsibility. People want to move up. They want what they do to be more important. So we start off with that bonus structure that's for this payday. We can look at this month. How about this one? Who's the person on our team that's given the most kudos to other people on the team? There are so many ways to make this game awesome. That's not just about, hey, I got an extra thousand dollars because I sold more stuff. It's like, hey, I made a difference. And I and there are many ways to be recognized for that. Structuring that out is no mean feat. I'll just tell everybody. And if you haven't done the story and you haven't systemized the job functions, please don't go out and try to do performance-based pay because it's not going to work. And I only know because I failed at it for all these years. But finally, having cracked the code to it, it is this hierarchy of motivation. And like you said, different people are motivated differently. Thank you for listening to The Daily Creed. We hope you enjoy. For more, connect with us at www.blncommunity.com. That's www.blncommunity.com. We'll see you here next time.